Welcome to Swamp Mysteries, the treasure of Jean Lafitte, a spooky new audio adventure story for children by author Elizabeth Singer Hunt, performed by Rachel Rosick and Jordan Paul Harrow. In the last episode, the Gatlin brothers began to track Charlie, Oscar, Robbie, and Jules' every move. At the same time, Charlie got a warning sign from the heavens that bad things were about to come. While we were at the library with Ms. Dupre, the Gatlin brothers were doing a bit of research of their own. They were speaking to Ms. Pascal at the museum. Bobby Ray was the first to start in on her. Them kids that were in here earlier. It wasn't so much a question as the beginning of a poorly phrased statement. Ms. Pascal eyed the men standing in front of her and the tattoos that ran up and down their arms. While most people in town had visited the museum several times over, Bobby Ray and Kenny had never set foot inside. Despite that, Ms. Pascal knew the Gatlins by their reputation and the fact that they had a pawn shop next door. Yes? What were they doing? Ms. Pascal wasn't in the business of giving strange men information about children. After all, they could be a bunch of kidnappers. But she didn't think it was wrong to share what they were asking about. After all, if she showed how children could be interested in the geography of the area, then maybe these meatheads standing in front of her would be inspired to do the same. They wanted to learn more about the islands in our bayous. Uh-huh. Why? I don't know why, but I suggested that they speak to Ms. Dupre at the library. Have you ever been to the library? Ms. Pascal knew the answer to that question before she asked it. You really should visit the library. It's an excellent resource. But the Gatlins weren't interested in anything else that Ms. Pascal had to say. Before she'd finished her sentence, they were out the door. They crawled into their big truck. Bobby Ray put the key into the ignition. The two brothers didn't have to discuss where they were off to next. They'd been hunting together long enough to read each other's minds. After starting the engine, Kenny slammed his foot on the accelerator. The truck skidded out of the gravel car park, and the two men sped off. As the clock struck five o'clock, Bobby Ray and Kenny entered the library. Ms. Dupre was the first to see them. She brought news that they didn't want to hear. I'm sorry, but the library is closed. Kenny grunted. We ain't here to look at books. We want to know what them kids was doing here. Ms. Dupre was taken aback. The Lord was whispering for her to be careful. These men were known alligator hunters. She thought it best to try and lie. Mm, what children? The problem was that Ms. Dupre wasn't very good at fibbing. If there was one thing she learned in the church, it was the virtue of telling the truth. Don't play games with us. We know they was asking about the islands. Ms. Dupre wondered how they knew something so specific. She wondered if we had told them about the book. It was supposed to be a secret. I remember now. I pointed them to the geography section where they did some research on the bayous. Bobby Ray grunted. We don't believe you. Knowing that her safety was more important than paper and leather, Ms. Dupre decided to give them the little red book. After all, she knew the folklore surrounding treasure buried in the bayou. 
If the men in front of her were after pirate booty, then they'd get what they deserved. Ms. Dupre reminded herself of the Lord's commandment, Thou shall not steal, as she handed the red book over to the thugs, her hands trembling. I think you'll find exactly what you're looking for in here. Bobby Ray snatched the book from her fingers, and without so much as a goodbye, he and his brother left. Ms. Dupre quickly left too, locking the front doors behind her. Kenny and Bobby Ray entered their pawn shop and climbed the stairs to the second story, which is where they lived. Bobby Ray plopped himself into his favorite camouflage chair in front of the TV, while Kenny headed for their small kitchen. Around their home were a variety of stuffed animals, like ducks and squirrels that they had hunted and killed. Bobby Ray quickly rifled through the book, scratching his head. What would them kids want with this? There's just a bunch of pictures with rocks and palm trees in them. Kenny took a large bowl of rabbit stew from the refrigerator and stuck it in the microwave. You tell me, brother. It took a while, but Bobby Ray started to understand what the book was about. <laughs> a dog! There might be buried treasure on one of them islands. Maybe them kids found something in that box that told them that was true. Kenny ladled the piping hot rabbit stew into two bowls. Looks like they've been holding out on us. I knew that girl was lying to us from the start. Hmm, too right. We need to get that box. Kenny tasted a big spoonful of the stew. Greasy oils dripped down his chin. He shook a bit of green powder from a spice bottle onto his stew. Let's pay a visit to her house. Bobby Ray sat down to join his brother for dinner. Now give me some of that. If you're enjoying Swamp Mysteries, the treasure of Jean Lafitte, make sure to check out Elizabeth's other stories for children, including the award-winning Secret Agent Jack Stalwart series. In it, nine-year-old Secret Agent Jack Stalwart travels the globe fighting bad guys in his quest to find his missing brother, Max. To learn more and listen to Secret Agent Jack Stalwart stories for free, visit ElizabethSingerHunt.com. That evening, Alice made Daddy and me a lovely crawfish etouffee. Alice was known around town for her crawfish etouffee. As I already explained, Alice's mother, Mama Babette, used to be the cook for the household until she died, and then Alice took over. After her mother passed, Daddy gave Alice the option of finding work elsewhere. But Alice said she wanted to stay. In fact, she said she wanted to work here forever and be buried at our house. You see, in the backyard of our home, there's a small graveyard. Many of the people who worked for my great-great-grandmother Charlotte are buried there. Among them are Alice's relatives, including Mama Babette. Alice has already picked a plot, right next to her mother's. For a long while, Alice's job was as our cook and housekeeper. Then... When mom passed away, she took on the role of being my mother, too. I was four years old when my mother died. Almost as soon as she found out she had cancer, mom was in and out of hospitals. Within a month, she'd lost all of her hair. I remember helping her pick out pretty scarves to wear to cover her head. Light blue and yellow were my favorite scarf colors, because they reminded me of the sky and sun, and my mother was a very happy, sunny woman. Her name was Evangeline which is a traditional southern name. It means bearer of good news. 
but my mother's death wasn't very good news at all. She died within five months of finding out she was ill, and Daddy and I had too little time to prepare for life without her. Luckily for us, Alice and Gerald were there to catch our fall. After many years, we grew accustomed to her not being around. But even today, Daddy and I miss my mother something awful. To remember the way she looked before she got sick, Daddy hired an artist to do a life-size painting of her in one of her floor-length gowns. It hangs in the study, right above the mantel holding the urn with her ashes. If I ever want to be with her, I just go in there and talk to her. Every year on her birthday, I bake her a cake and sing her happy birthday. Obviously, she doesn't eat the cake, but I really do believe she can hear me, even though she's no longer on this earth. I turn to Alice. Can I have another helping? A second heaping serving of etouffee was placed over my bowl of rice. Whatever happened to that box? Asked my father. You know, the one we found by the tree. I almost choked on a crawfish tail. I wasn't prepared to tell Daddy about the contents of the box, or what we were planning to do. Knowing him, he'd almost certainly make us turn the book over to Ms. Pascal. But Oscar, Robbie, Jules, and I had made a pact. We weren't going to tell anyone about the box or the book until we found the treasure. There wasn't anything in there but dirt and slugs. Then how did those slugs survive? I mean, the box was sealed shut for many years. Daddy was a clever man. It's a mystery. (laughs) I took another piece of bread from the bread basket and slathered a knife blade of butter on it. Where's the box, then? I'd like to see it. I stopped chewing my bread. Fast thinking was required, especially as the box was in my bedroom closet. I gave it to Oscar. He wanted to show it to Miss Patrice. Tell Oscar I'd love to see it when he's done with it. After all, it was a bit of a find for me, too. Sure thing, Daddy. I quickly lapped up the rest of my etouffee, asked to be excused, and then went straight to my room. I looked at the clock next to my bed. It was seven o'clock. Normally, I go to bed at nine o'clock. But after what had happened that day, I was so dog-tired. I got ready for bed and slipped under the covers. Opening a copy of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I started reading chapter two. But after a few minutes, my eyes grew heavy. The next thing I knew, my body shook. I opened my eyes to find that it was already dark. I had fallen asleep. The clock next to me said 10.30 p.m. I looked out my window and saw a full moon, hanging like a giant pancake in the sky. I loved it when it was a full moon. The moonlight caused the bayou behind our house to sparkle like diamonds. From my window, I could see everything. I could see the graveyard and Gerald's shed where he kept his tools. As I was looking, I saw something strange. It looked like a dark figure creeping across our lawn. Daddy! Alice! Come quick! Huh? What? What is it? Are you all right? I pointed at the window and towards the grounds. Somebody's outside, on our property. Daddy looked through the window, but by now, the dark figure had vanished. Maybe I'm imagining things. I'm sure you're not. Tell me what you saw again. I paused for a moment. It was too big to be an animal, and too small to be a person. 
The best way to describe it was as a ghostly black shadow. But I couldn't very well tell my daddy that. He'd think I was crazier than a rabid dog. I shrugged my shoulders and told him I wasn't sure. Probably a raccoon. The moonlight can cast a large shadow on even the smallest of things. Daddy's comforting words always made me feel better. But I was still worried. He put his arm around me. Don't be scared. Gerald and I will take care of it. Daddy kissed me on the head and left the room. Alice and I watched through the window as Daddy and Gerald walked the grounds with a flashlight. After 15 minutes of searching, they found nothing. I wasn't expecting them to anyway. Whatever it was had disappeared almost the moment I spied it. Eventually, Alice left the room, and I drifted off back to sleep. you've enjoyed this episode of Swamp Mysteries, the treasure of Jean Lafitte, make sure to select subscribe. That way you'll be the first to hear what happens next. 